Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black Talk. The Internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com wrote about uh, he basically he wrote a book basically about how all of the presidents have uh, conformed to the system of white supremacy in different ways, and uh, he was talking about how some of them would just say something about racism and black people would get very happy, but then they wouldn't do anything. And he said some of the uh, presidents just commented about how confused, but how, just how confused they were. Like they just wouldn't seem to understand these people would just come out and make a comment or two about racism and, and black people would think, oh, we got a friend, you know, this person is for us and they would never do anything to help them. They would just, you know, keep pushing white supremacy along. And uh, I was thinking like we're, non-white people, we're so confused about this. Like a non-white person I spoke to today, he said that the whole situation in Jenna, he said uh, he didn't understand how people, he said he felt like people were trying to make it more about race than it was. And I said, well, I don't think you have that situation. <laughs> you don't have a problem of racism, white supremacy. I mean, I just, I mean, to my knowledge, that whole situation is more of the evidence that we are in a system of white supremacy. Um, I don't know, just, that confusion, like people, people, non-white people, not really understanding what white supremacy means. How much? That's why I put it in the front of the book. If you don't understand that, then everything else that you do understand will confuse you. And I've seen that ever since I've been talking about it, and even before then. That's how that phrase came into being. That quotation. I put it in the front of the book to remind people of that. Ain't no point in going nowhere and doing nothing if you don't understand that. Because everything that you do is going to make no, complete nonsense. Everything that you think that you want to do is much going to be turn out to be a bunch of nonsense if you don't understand that. Because, see, this is all about the connections with the meaning of existence. Everybody, you know, has a reason or think that they should have a reason for existing. If you, and if you're existing on this planet and you don't have no perceptions, of understanding about white supremacy and what it works to the extent that you lack these perceptions, your entire existence is going to be a total mess because you're not going to make sense to yourself about nothing that you do 
or nothing that you plan on doing. It's just that way. Because that's the biggest show in town. It's the only one that counts. That's just a fact of the matter. And it's a very unhappy situation. <laughs> Amen. You know. Hmm. Have white people made that their reason for being on the planet to practice white supremacy? Yes, and 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 see, and so you are wound up with two basically types of people on the planet, and that is the white culture, which is white supremacists, and the victim culture, which is the non-white people, and that's it. Hmm. And the victim culture is just what the victim culture is. I mean, you know, people walking around acting like victims. Okay. My second question is, what do you think is the solution to the problem of racism, white supremacy? If you can just kind of summarize it. I think I have a general idea where you're coming from, but if you could just summarize what your solution to this problem sure. is. Yeah. So my solution involves first for white people to really examine themselves, to disavow themselves of their superiority, to look at their every institution that they're a part of to look at their their neighborhood, their community and society and to really study the way that race operates within their society, study the history of racism and then to start to go out and, and initiate and strengthen our interpersonal relationships with people of color so that we can learn more directly about how racism impacts people and also begin to share our social capital more equitably through our social ties to one another. I think when we have strong interpersonal relationships, then we can work together in a community of trust to dismantle systemic racism and to to replace racist institutions with new inclusive ones. Okay, so myself being a victim of racism and white supremacy, I have to then go out and know every white person to not be mistreated anymore? Is that no. what you're saying? No. I'm, I'm not saying that you have to know every white person, but I do think that part of our challenge as a society is that we live in such segregation from one another, um, and we, even when white people move to... Uh, move to communities of color to gentrify them. They don't share their social capital. They they they'll move to. I cite that that article in the um in the letter. They'll move to the neighborhood, but they won't send their kid to the neighborhood school. So I think that um, in order to dismantle racist institutions, we need to have interpersonal relationships sharing our social capital. I'm not saying that it's in the, the, I don't say the ball is in the court of victims of racism to initiate those relationships or to strengthen them. I'm saying the ball is in white people's court to understand how racism operates within them, within their community, within their society, and then to go outside of that and seek out, initiate, and strengthen their relationships with people of color listen to them, get feedback from them. The, the comment that, um, that Gus cited from the letter, I think, is an important element in how white people learn not to perpetuate racism. Um, 
I think he and I disagree about that. But then, informed by that, is how we can work together to dismantle systemic racism. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Sunday, March 11th, 2018. So I have been told uh, we should be here on Wednesday. That would be March 14th. Dr. Martin Kevorkian, uh, he's the author of Color Monitors, The Black Face of Technology in America. Uh, he is a professor at the University of Texas, Austin. He is an admitted white supremacist. He'll be with us this coming uh, Wednesday. Uh, we will be revisiting briefly Black Mirror, as well as the films, Matt Damon's films, Suburbicon and Downsizing, this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The broadcast, for, or even before we get to that, the audio segment that you uh, heard at the beginning of the program, that was from 2016. Uh, we had uh, Karen Fleshman on the program, a white woman suspected white supremacist. Uh, she was on the broadcast and she had her exchange uh, with our one of our callers in the great state of Virginia uh, about uh, the significance or value of white people having uh, interpersonal contact with black people towards solving the problem of racism. If you want to go back and check out the archives, a lot of people dialed in to ask uh, questions. Always great to ask white people questions when you have the opportunity. Uh, but long time ago, before the flood, um, several folks on my Facebook page were talking about this event happening in Georgia. Uh, it was advertised, come meet a black person. And <clears throat> it encouraged whites who didn't know any black people to come out to this event. You'd have an opportunity to, for I think two hours, uh, have contact, uh, talk to black people, talk about racism uh, and other events. And this would somehow work towards working against racism. Uh, folks saw the event, uh, had thoughts. I think we even have some listeners down in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And some people I was saying, hey, go check it out. If you're <clears throat> close enough, you can go check it out and report back. Uh, I said, hey, I'll see if I can, if we can get the event organizer on the program, uh, reached out. Uh, they were willing to talk to us. The flood happened. Everything got delayed for months and months and months. But here we are, almost a, a whole new season. And finally, ready to roll, very excited uh, to have uh, the founder uh, of this event on the program just to get more details about how, how all of this came about. And now that it's happened, uh, the feedback, you know, what's the evaluation uh, of how things went. Uh, in addition to this event, she's the founder of Urban Media Makers, uh, it's, this is an opportunity for media content makers, filmmakers uh, to network uh, with one another, uh, urban media makers. Uh, it's linked in the description for the program. A uh, real pleasure to have her on the program. Joining us live, <clears throat> our guest, Miss Cheryl Moses. Miss Moses, you're with us, ma'am. 
Hey, how are you today? Uh, Greeting right poorly, but I'm so glad that you were able to share some of your time with us uh, this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're very excited to have you on the broadcast. Uh, For many of our listeners, I'm sure for some folks, this is their first time hearing from you. Uh, If you could. Thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for for hanging out with us. Uh, Anything that you would like to share with our listeners about who you are and what you do? Kind of a brief intro. Sure. I am Cheryl Renee Moses, and I am a native of Atlanta, Georgia. For those who are familiar with Atlanta, I am a Grady baby, and um, I am a blacktivist. I serve my community. I'm a front-end developer. I'm a digital content creator. I, I have We Code Academy. I teach coding to youth and adults and um, starting a senior citizens program to teach them coding as well. Um, I do a lot. I'm the president of my high school alumni association. And um, in coming... Uh, up with Come Meet a Black Person, the event, it really truly just happened organically. My my organization that you mentioned, uh, Urban Media Makers, um, we have a, a film festival every year. Uh, in fact, this year is going to be the 17th year. It's an international festival that's presented in English and Spanish and many other languages and subtitled in English, and it's a competition for independent filmmakers where we showcase projects that are um, featuring or produced by folks of color. Um, So in preparing for our annual anniversary, which is always held in in November, more like a um, thank you for supporting us kind of deal for uh, our filmmakers, writers, actors, and, and folks who support us, um, I had read a survey, well, not a survey, it was a research report, research uh, that was done by a religious organization that talked about how um, social networks, our social networks, the people we spend the most time with, our friends, are typically those folks who look like us. So with that being said, it said that uh, most white folks did not have any non-white friends uh, or non-whites in their social network. And the same really applies to all of us as a whole, but particularly for for whites. And when I read that, I know that during these times, everything has been so divisive and, you know, uh, uh, white aggression has been on the rise. There's just been a number of of you know, vulgar things happening in the world around racism, white supremacy, and just no tolerance for for folks. And I said, well, um, I wanted to go ahead and in, invite folks who maybe didn't have any uh, non-white folks in their networks to come to our event because at, at my net, um, anniversary event, it's always like the United Nations, so folks from all over the world would be there. And so I said, you know, come meet a black person. I typed the, the title in Eventbrite, um, really typed out exactly what I just said to you all, and pushed the um, invitation. And a couple of days later, it went viral and phones ringing, emails coming in, everybody wanted to talk about it. 
And I swear to you, it just happened like that. If I didn't even put any thought <laughs> into the title of it. So that's really how Come Meet a Black Person happened. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, you, for listeners who have not uh, seen photographs or video of you, uh, you are a black female, Miss Moses. Is that correct? That is correct with blonde locks. Gotcha. Gotcha. There are videos. She's done lots of interviews and what have you. Uh, so there's video on YouTube and uh, even video with the description for the broadcast. So you can see uh, Miss uh, Cheryl Renee Moses. Uh, do you study racism like scientifically, seriously? Is this something that you like invest time investigating, researching, uh, trying to talk to people or go to libraries or go online to research and get more information? Like is racism something that you study in the same way that people study other subjects like biology or civil war history? Well, um, actually, that's interesting that you would say that because I call myself a uh, racism expert, and that's because I'm twenty. I'm I'm black twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days out of the year. So, in in being black and having to finesse duality in in just living in in this society, this country, this world, um, I have to be an expert on on racism, and um, becoming conscious started maybe 12, 14 years ago for me, and that meaning uh, learning more about my African ancestry, um, because in Western education, we're, we're really taught that everything began for us as slaves. We're, we're not taught. No one, as far as Western history, is taught um, African history, and uh, really there is not much history in school books about Africans in American in America period. Uh, so with that being said, all of us are miseducated, not just folks of color, not just black people, but everyone. And all of that is part of a system that places, uh, that culturally conditions whites to think they are superior and non-whites to think they're inferior to whites. So that is the foundation of this country. And uh, most of us only deal with uh, two levels of racism. That would be personal and interpersonal, you know, just outright racism. But it's much, much more to that in that there are four levels of racism, but no one, I'm not going to say no one, but most folks never talk about it or think about it or research it. But one of my idols is Dr. Francis Cress Wellsling. And in, in researching and learning about her and reading her work and then the reading works of people that she recommend or who she looked up to uh, and her peers, um, I've become very aware and educated on all facets. Uh, so when we talk about racism in the four, four levels. I spoke to you about the personal and interpersonal, but we also have institutional uh, racism as well as systemic racism. So with, with, when you look at the four of those, I tell folks to you know, try to levitate above the, the, the world 
and look at it from a big picture. Michelle Alexander really helped me open my eyes to the big picture in her book about uh, the new Jim Crow uh, mass incarceration because me as a black person, I knew, you know, that blacks and, and brown folks are um, put in jail and, you know, racially profiled at alarming rates, especially since uh, in the 70s, whites made up the uh, biggest population of folks incarcerated, and then all of a sudden it just flipped that it was blacks and browns who made up. And, you know, it's not like somebody flipped on a switch and uh, white folks became holier than thou, and at that same switch, folks of color became derelicts. That, That just doesn't make um, sense and and what what I'm teaching is that we all need to step back and start looking at things with a critical eye, critical thinking. That's why I teach coding, because coding teaches you to think critically, and critical thinking is something that is no longer being taught in schools. So, with that being said, um, we rely on what is told to us. I, I use the the example of religion. Uh, I'm I was brought up Christian. Um, my entire family. So when you know, when it comes to religion, every Sunday, my entire family went to church. So what my parents did, I did. What my parents' parents did, that's what my parents did. So I never once questioned um, uh, stories of the Bible, uh, religion, none of that. And I think that's how we as humans operate in this world. We operate from that same vantage point. So I say that to say. The educational system, institutional systems, everything that moves America is all built on the foundation of racism. It's built on race. uh, What definition do you use when you use the term uh, racism? A perfect, perfect question. I just had this discussion with um, some of my interns who are college students over at Clark there in the mass media uh, program, shout out to my kids. Um, but here's a definite, oh, I'm sorry, um, my dogs are telling you, telling you hello, let me shut my door. Sorry about that. So racism is an equation, just like a math equation. So racism equals race plus prejudice plus power. So when we look at race, we're talking about the ruling race. So in this instance, the ruling race in this country and the world are folks who classify themselves as white. So prejudice, prejudice is making um, judgments, assumptions about people or things out of ignorance, nothing based on facts. And then power, power meaning having the power to effect to do something that affects people, right? You have the power to to use your your race, your prejudice to push upon another race. So that gives you racism. That's why uh, when folks say, "Well, black folks are racist," that's impossible. Black people can be prejudiced, but they cannot be racist. Only though, only the race who are ruling can be racist. So when I went to see Black Panther, and I took my college students to see it as well, when we were driving back and we were talking about race, back to racism, because I'm always talking about race, um, 
we were talking about, and I gave them the example that in, in Wakanda, uh, black folks could be racist because they were the ruling race, and they had the power to effect that in Wakanda. So that's my definition of racism. And, and basically, that's the definition that's accepted by most. Huh. I know uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, that is not the definition of racism, white supremacy that uh, Francis Cress Welsing uh, used. Uh, she was a guest on this program 31 times before she passed in uh, 2016. Okay, well, what is, well, correct me. What is her definition? Because I play it on my show every Monday. What is her definition? Well, because of the flood, I am not near my book, so I'm going to have to find it uh, online. I'm displaced from my library. I can tell you the definition uh, of racism, white supremacy that I use on this broadcast, uh, a global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, that's the definition that I use uh, on this program. Uh, do you think that is an accurate definition of what's happening on the planet? The definition that you just said when broken down into an equation, equals racism equal race plus prejudice plus power. And that's very easy for most lays to understand, but they're saying exactly the same thing. So do you think the definition that I just gave is accurate? It is for, it is accurate, uh, but it is a bit convoluted for a regular lay to understand. So when you, like for me, when I'm explaining something to, you know, ninth, 10th and 11th graders, I have to break it down into, to, you know, very, very fundamental things that I can explain it to them that makes sense. And, and the equation that I gave you gives me that, which is exactly the same thing you said, but I have broken it down into a much simpler formula. Oh, okay. Well, I, I just two important things that I want to get in because you said it a couple times. I do not. I just need to make sure this is on the record. I do not think what you said is exactly the same as what I said. Not at all. Not even close. I just need to make sure that that's on the record. The second thing, uh, my co-host on this program for years, we have been on for almost a decade, our nine year anniversary just weeks ago. My co-host was 10 years old. I am a huge advocate of being able to explain things so that even a child, I think 10 is even younger than sixth grade, uh, and even she could understand that definition that I just gave you. She heard it over and over and over, and even she could explain it at 10 years old. She's, night, well, a couple days from being 19 now, but when she was 10, and <laughs> we have the uh, archives to prove it, she can okay, understand that. Okay, so just my hang on one second. Just hang then. on one second. Hang on one second. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I do, I do think it, it is important, but I think that accuracy when talking about racism, white supremacy, is important, and I think that oh, most even definitely, if the words I agree. Are moved around the accuracy if you're talking to a six-year-old or you're talking to someone who does not have a lot of education, what have you, maintaining the accuracy very, very important. Did you have a, a okay? Question? So do you disagree with the formula <clears throat> that I gave you? 
I do not is that think what that, you're that saying? is. I do not think that that is an accurate definition or explanation of racism, white supremacy. No, I do not. I said that was a definition of racism, and we can agree to disagree. Right. But what are you doing to fight racism? I told you what I'm doing. What mm-hmm. are you doing to to push the reversing racism agenda forward? Uh, well, it might it might be that I'm not doing anything. I certainly am not, you know, here to to argue the merits of what you're doing or not doing or what I'm doing. I'm certainly not taking the position that you know we have it figured out. I've, I say consistently, I am still learning. Oh, but that's true. But <laughs> excuse me, respectfully. Mm-hmm. The way you just went in about a definition of racism, surely I would think you're out here in the street putting it down. You want to argue with me about a definition of racism and tell me that what I said was totally wrong and that what you espouse is correct. I think you, you, it, you, that's a lot of energy put on that when you would then tell me that you're doing absolutely nothing to push forward a conversation of re- reversing racism. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, I guess the first part, number one, uh, I hope it didn't come across as an as an argument. Uh, we have done. Oh, you almost, were very, you yeah you went in pretty pretty hard on that. Well, with the definition, but that's cool if that that well, works for you. Well, hang on one second. With the definition, <laughs> we have done almost two thousand programs. Every single time we have a guest on this program, it starts the exact way it went with you, where we have definition of racism. Do you think that that's accurate? Do you think such a system exists? People can say whatever they want. Many people disagree. And I gave you my definition. You, right, hang on. Just hang and on one second. Hang on one second. Hang on one second, ma'am. Hang on one second. And that we, has happened. we have agreed I, ma'am, to disagree. Hang on. Hang on. Can just let me finish, please. Uh, that has happened hundreds of times over years where people have come on and said, no, I don't think that your definition is correct, Gus. I have my own definition. No problem. I They give their definition. I give mine. Sometimes I'll let them know that, you know, I don't think your definition is accurate. And we proceed. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal right now uh, with you and I. The second portion of what you said, I didn't say that I'm not doing anything. What I said is it may be that I am not doing anything of constructive value. That might be true. I'm willing to concede that. It's not that I'm not doing anything. Clearly, if we have been on long enough to have a nine-year anniversary, we're doing something. I'm just willing and to congratula- congratulate hang on, hang to on, you. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not even saying that that's worth anything because it might not be. The problem of white supremacy racism is still here. That's my bar for success. If racism, white supremacy has been eradicated, hey, maybe I contributed to that being, you know, part of it. Great. But if that's still here, hey, the record may be that Gus T. Renegade has done absolutely nothing towards solving this problem. Well, well, let me let me let me help you with that. Because racism has been around since the beginning of America. Right. And so I'm sure you weren't born when, it, it, when America was yes, first, in, you know, created, right. discovered, <laughs> if you will. So with that being said, we know that that has not changed, right? It's been here for a long time. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so it has not changed. So, I, I mean, so what's, what's the purpose? What, what was the purpose? Anyway... 
we can move on if you want to talk about my come meet a black exactly, person exactly. and why I do that for exactly. reversing racism as opposed to you going on and on about your specific definition of what racism is. My question to you, do you deal with racism on a daily basis, brother? Uh, I am a victim of white supremacy. I experience it all the time. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So with that being said, then you are very familiar with racism, correct? Well, uh, I, I make a distinction. Being a victim of racism, white supremacy does not necessarily mean that one is an expert. Uh, it might make you feel I asked you about victimized. racism. I'm asking you very simple questions. It doesn't require, uh, you know, you can just answer. I'm asking questions. Right, right. I, I was not trying to, to be verbose. Uh, I was just trying to make what I think is an important distinction because I think a lot of times people say that just because you experience racism, you're an expert. And that's something that I do not agree with. It's many people. Well, that... I, am a, I am an expert. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm a racism expert. Okay. I have been dealing with it for six decades. Mm -hmm. and I, And because of that experience, that makes me an expert. Yes, ma'am. I do research and work in the street on it to change the way it is and how it has affected those who have been oppressed by it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, appreciate you uh, sharing some of your time and, and expertise with us uh, this evening on uh, the broadcast um, with, I guess, with Dr. Welsing's work. You did say you were familiar with her, right? You said that she had influenced your thinking about how you, you know, go about doing this work on racism. Right? I play her work on my radio show, which airs on Mondays from 7 to 9 on Blog Talk Radio. It is called Come Meet a Black Person Radio Show. And you can tune in. would love to invite your audience to tune in tune in as well and talk to us about that. In fact, we have a new program that's kicking off on Thursday. It's all part of Come Meet a Black Person, and we're calling it A Table for Ten. We've, uh, I've taken a white privilege test that was created by two, well, created by a, a, a very wonderful white lady who wanted who to do something to, to address racism. And then from her her questionnaire, uh, uh, another a black lady actually took it a little further, and I guess this may be, let me pull up her essay. In fact, you can Google it later, because I, I have a lot of work to do. I'm spending a little time with you. I have about four more minutes with you. Who and, is the wonderful uh, white woman? So we can have we get taken, that before, you, before, if you have to exit? Yeah, who is the wonderful white woman? Who yeah, I'll... I'll send you a link to it. Okay, okay. You know, the same email that y'all been sending me an yes, email about being on the show? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I'll send you an email. Okay, I will um, appreciate it. And so we, we have taken that uh, privilege test, and we have been using it in a beta form the past two months at our Come Meet a Black person is, Persons event. From that, it has become very, very clear that not only whites, but blacks, and other people of color are totally clueless about a lot of things that affect them when, when we talk about privilege. Um, and we, we are working now on a documentary from folks taking this uh, test that we are now um, using. And it's a great conversation piece, but it also, um, we've seen a, a, a few people, thoughts change right in front of us. 
those uh, a couple who have said that there was no such thing as right white privilege others who have said uh, no i have never experienced racism so there's a lot of work out here to be done as far as uh, reversing racism and addressing it it's cool to talk about it and have definitions around it but it's better to get out one-on-one and talk to individuals and get them to uh, see you as a human as opposed to reading about different cultures and never experiencing. Because if you are a friend of mine, when you are making decisions or talking to someone else, you have a, um, you have a perspective to speak from as opposed to only knowing about a person from which you have heard or read. So that is the answer to reversing race, racism, part of the answer. It's going to take a number of things to address it, but surely one-on-one is the way to make that happen. There's no law or policies or books that can be written to change any of that. So I'm going to close on that. But thanks for having me on your show. Much success to you, and I will send you a, a link to uh, the white lady, wonderful lady, who put together the first few questions on this uh, privilege test because she wanted to reach out to um, other, you know, folks in her social network, other white folks, to have them to look at it from a different perspective of, um, you know, shaking a finger that you are racist. She she put it in a questionnaire that made them think about what they do not have to think about because they are white. I so see. thanks for your time. If you oh if uh, if you could send me the link that would be great. And then just really quick, you said you played Dr. Welsing's audio. Have you read her book, The ISIS Papers? I have that book. Um, I have, have the color keys. Have you read The ISIS Papers? I have. Oh okay okay. Have you read it? Yes, ma'am. And have you read? Uh, she has a number of books. Have you? How many have you read? I have the ISIS papers. I know she has other essays uh, published. The ISIS papers is the the only one that I can say that, yes, I've read and I own. But I know she does have other publications out. I have been fortunate enough. But you don't, that's the only, that's the only of her works that you have? That is the only one. Huh. That's interesting. You say you've had her on your show for 30, 30 times or more. Not 30 years, but 30 <laughs> times or more. Oh, yeah. She has been a guest here 31 times. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. And you only uh, took time to read one of her pieces. Hmm. I mean, some of her books are really right. difficult to get, but, you know, hey. <laughs> They're not. It was real easy for me to get them. You can just go online and order them. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah, it's real easy. You can go to Amazon.com and order all of her stuff. I'm a Prime member. You might want to look into that so you can get free shipping. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I'll, I'll send you a link. Yes, please um, do. Please so do. you can... The wonderful yeah. white woman and I who did the privilege but, questions. Yeah, she's she did a great um, research on that. So yeah, you can. I will send you that info. I don't have it in front of me because I wasn't looking to talk about her today, uh, as I'm preparing my other work. Um, but yeah, and you may want to check out some other pieces of um, Francis Cress Westling. And we're working on a, a, a it's a media piece about her as well. So. Stay tuned for that. Will do. Will do. Thank you so much, right. Ms. Moses. Well, have a good evening. I appreciate you sharing some mm-hmm. of your time with us. Sure. Have a good one. Good evening.
context of white supremacy, man, <laughs> sometimes minimizing conflict will be primary objective with other non-white people. Uh, I am not always a plus at that. I was a little bit surprised just that the definition, I didn't think I was being discourteous with the definition. That's, you know, business as usual with the uh, definition thing. Like I wasn't even going to spend any time on it. Like I was ready to pivot to to come uh, meet a black because I had questions on that. Like I had research and I had legitimate questions. Like, you know, we've had lots of guests, white and non-white come on the program who don't agree with the definition or what they don't even have a definition sometimes. Like that's not a big to do. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess folks, you can let me know if I was being discourteous with the definition portion, because it really was not, you know, that big a deal. <laughs> like we can, we can, I will say what was a big deal. <clears throat> Blame it on the flood. I would have had Dr. Welsing's definition right there. I normally, uh, when I'm at the house, I broadcast right next to my library. That would have been a turn, grab, 30 seconds, bang. I would have had the definition right there. And I'm so maladjusted uh, from the flood. I'm so, uh, I'm just disoriented, not being able to reach and grab uh, books and just other documents that I would normally have at my fingertips. And now I don't have them. <laughs> anyway. Definition, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing's definition of racism, white supremacy, racism and white supremacy is the local and global power system and dynamic structure structured and maintained by people who classify themselves as white, whether consciously or subconsciously determined, which consists of patterns of perception, logic, symbol formation, thoughts, speech, actions, and emotional response as conducted simultaneously in all areas of people activity, including economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war for the ultimate purpose of white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth, the planet which upon the vast and overwhelming majority of people are classified as non-white, black, brown, red, and yellow, by white-skinned people and all of the non-white people are genetically dominant in terms of skin coloration compared to the genetic recessive white-skinned people. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. And yes, I can only truthfully say that I own one book that Dr. Francis Cress Welsing has written, The Isis Papers, The Keys to the Colors. That is the only one that I own and have read, can truthfully say. Definitions are very, very important and specifically definition of racism. And I was not going to say anything. I think it wasn't until uh, Miss Moses said more than once that her definition and my definition are the same that I had to make sure just for the integrity of the program, there's no way we could do a whole program. And then I have to get in in the last five minutes. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I did not think her definition was the same as mine. All right. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> no, uh, that could not go down that way. And I didn't think I was being discourteous uh, and how I said it there. I just didn't agree. And I think the, the other point, I think where there seemed to be some 
issue. I think two, I think there was one where I conceded that it might be that I might not have done anything, which is true. I'm willing to admit that uh, regardless of what I have done. I wouldn't care, you know, if I went out and, you know, committed counterviolence every day uh, for years uh, that, you know, if racism, white supremacy is still here, it may be that what you're doing is not really of any constructive value. And that might be true for Gus T or any other non-white person, as long as this person exists, just following counter-racist logic. I think the other point uh, where it seemed that, I don't know, <laughs> like there was, was some contention. Uh, let's see. It was that one. Oh, and, and then, the expertise thing. And I never questioned when she said she was an expert. I don't think I ever, you know, said, you know, how dare you? I don't think I ever did that. I wouldn't, you know, encourage that. That's not a part of my uh, counter racist code. But I think it was uh, when she was asking me if I experienced racism and I said, yes. And I said that, you know, I'm careful. And this is something that's very important. I talk about this all the time and I will invoke a metaphor. It's not the compensatory call in. <laughs> Just because you ride in a car every day does not make you an expert on vehicles. I know a whole lot of folks. They drive real expensive vehicles. They cannot change the windshield wiper fluid. That is a whole lot of black people, like 99% of black people, Gus T included, when it comes to racism. We experience it all the time. Denied jobs, police beat us down, denied loans, thrown off planes, you name it. We get it. That doesn't make you an expert on racism just because you are terrorized. I'm very explicit about that because that woo, should not be confused. People say that all the time. Like just because you're a black person, you have a Ph.D. in racism wrong. And for the record on this here program, I think the cliche is the only experts on racism, white supremacy are white. That notwithstanding, I don't think I questioned her expertise status. You say you're an expert on racism. Hey, <laughs> right on <laughs> moving forward. Uh, yeah, I will. VGQ, she said what she said. Folks can please let me know if I was snippy about the uh, definition uh, part. I don't think I was, but, uh, you know, I'm a victim, too. Maybe I wasn't at my best in minimizing uh, conflict. I did have questions that I wanted to get to because she had a quote uh, in one of the news reports that covered her event. And it was a lot of coverage, like the Atlanta Journal uh, Constitution covered her. The uh, CNN covered her. Both of those publications are in Atlanta. Uh, the Washington Post picked it up. The Root did two big stories. The New York Daily, the New York Post. I mean, widespread coverage. Uh, the View did a segment of it uh, on television. It was massive coverage uh, for this event where they said sometimes it was like 50 people showed up. We get more than that for a cow's episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, she was quoted as saying that many white people want to begin to cultivate relationships with black people, but don't know how to. And this is an opportunity for them to feel comfortable. I wanted to ask her how she came to that conclusion. That many white people want to begin to cultiva uh, cultivate relationships with black people. How did you come to that conclusion? 
I wish I had. That's why I said I was not really, you know, interested in going around with the definition. And I had legit questions that uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, she had another one. She, she was quoted as saying, white people are oblivious. We know them. We have to know them. You know, it's not like that for them. They don't know anything about us. They don't have to. That was another one where I was uh, curious as to how she came to that conclusion. Um, certainly, I think anyone who's listened to this program might be able to guess that I have come to a very different conclusion about white people's expertise about black people uh, and how much they know about black people and whether or not they want to, quote unquote, cultivate relationships with black people, whatever that means could anyway, um, if folks have any comments that they uh, would like to share, uh, certainly if Gus was being hostile with the definition portion uh, of the broadcast, let me know. Uh, I will try to do better when we have victims of racism on the program, especially when I have other questions, because I think some victims were aware of this event and might have even had questions themselves. So if I was not at my best, my apologies, if I messed it up from you all being able to get in questions, maybe she would have hung out longer uh, if Gusty had behaved better. Uh, did any folks have a uh, question, comment they wanted to make sure they got it? Thomas in New York, uh, was I... Being discourteous or, or nasty during the definition portion of the exchange with Miss Moses. Maybe he's not able to speak right now. Thomas in New York, did you have commentary? Maybe he's not able to speak. Anywho, uh, retired firefighter, did you have uh, commentary? Was I I'm sorry, I was muted. Sorry. That's the way they <laughs> <I was> <laughs> Um, yeah, um, I think that she was very sensitive, um, you know, she, she, um, hey, you're victims, um, and, um, I think a huge part of our victimization is we take one of the characteristics of the people who victimize us, and, um, that was, a uh, straight out the white people's playbook. I mean, even there up to the end, she wanted to, you need to get more, meeting on her, it was, you know, just a lot of slick stuff, uh, very emotional, um, her feelings was hurt, she was an expert, I mean, what can you say, so um, anytime a black person tell me they're an expert on racism, hey, I, I, I just, <laughs> I don't have nothing more to say to them, okay, okay, uh, I, I would think that the only experts would be white, I, I just, uh, my, if we were experts, we would have figured this out, and it went right along with what, um, the clips at the beginning uh, with Millie Fuller, you know, talking about, uh, so I tell you they're a black leader, you know, uh, everything that she displayed was why I would um, want, and I was um, really looking forward to finding out why she felt the need that black people, uh, white people need to come and meet black people. It already made me suspicious of the fact that maybe she's one of those people that thinks she could teach white people how to um, be better people and stop practicing racism, as opposed to realizing, like, what I think more in line with an expert is, is that white people are racist. You know, you don't have, you can't teach them about what they are experts at. I uh, don't know what to say. Uh, if I was rude, I will try to do uh, better in the future. Definitions are very, very important. Very, very important. Uh, retired firefighter, did you have commentary, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to everyone. Uh, 
I I was uh, kind of uh, chuckling because I can recall when uh, with Dr. Welsing's first appearance on the program, and you gave you gave her your compensatory definition, and she did, and and traditionally, you know, when you ask, uh, do you think that is a uh, is that is a accurate uh, uh, definition? <laughs> she said no. <laughs> and, and 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 the reason why she said it, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason why she said it was uh, not accurate because, according in her in her opinion, it wasn't thorough enough. And I said that to say I think that's what you were trying to explain uh, to uh, uh, the guest uh, when you stated you stated. Uh, something that wasn't directly in opposition to what she was saying, but uh, when you were saying that, that it wasn't the same as Dr. Welsing's meaning, because if you even time Dr. Welsing's meaning to the, the uh, uh, race of the white supremacy, it takes about a minute and 30 some odd seconds to, to hear the entire message. It, I mean, of course, if you're speaking at a normal pace, uh, uh, whatever that means, but, but, uh, it's, it's a rather thorough, thorough, uh, meaning that she has. Uh, you just got through, uh, stating it. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm like kind of like disappointed. I'm not surprised, but I'm kind of disappointed that the program that, that she, uh, made the choice to only stay on the program for, uh, for uh, the short time that she did, and it puts a question. I'm not saying that she's not an expert, but it puts it does puts a question on uh, is being an expert in racism, white supremacy, and I'm putting in a question on purpose. Is being an expert on the where does patience go into the uh, go into the uh, whole gambit of being an expert on racism? Patients, especially with other non-white people. I mean, if it wasn't like you were uh, cursing her out and call her out of a name or something like that, you know, as far as that concerned, if, if I mean, I'm pretty sure that through all from from my own personal experiences of, of efforts of of uh, exchanging views and being in company of other non-white people over this issue, even if we are quote unquote attempting to make organized, you're going to have differences. You're going to have differences anyway. And if she's going to do that, wow, for something as, you know, simple as that, wow. Or, or you know, maybe I could be wrong. She, uh, you know, maybe her pot on the stove was, uh, you know, uh, burning and she had to go in and address it. You know, I, I don't know. We, we, we do have a tendency of being busy sometimes, you know, uh, uh, although I guess this was a scheduled appointment. Uh, uh, with the with the program itself, uh, yeah, th those basically my thoughts. You know, uh, as far as far as that's concerned, uh, and I, I did have some questions uh, for her uh, also. You know, on especially on the on the subject matter of, of expert because uh, you know anytime I hear a non-white non-white person, especially a non-white black person, mention about they are a expert, I, and I've never heard it in in the sense that she explained it. She it was almost like bragging, you know, uh, on it. Uh, 
you know, I, my my question would be, well, you know, well, the problem is still here. And so, you know, but, but, you know, I'm just putting it in, you know, short paraphrasing that the problem is still here. Well, what do you think about that? You know, and that's all I have to say for right now. And, uh, uh, hopefully the, the conversation tonight still, uh, continues on. Thank you. Appreciate that retired firefighter. Uh, if I can return to my car metaphor one more time, since it's not the compensatory call in, uh, when I think about expertise, generally, when we think about someone like a mechanic who has expertise, you take your vehicle to them, it is fixed and not fixed for like 30 seconds. It's fixed. Whatever the problem was is corrected. You don't have to worry about that anymore at all. Expertise problem solved. I know the logic. I know the mechanics of what needs to be done to permanently resolve this problem. That's what I think of when I think of expertise only. And I can't think of any other context only with racism, white supremacy, black people. And they don't even apply it to all non-white people. It's just black people. They say are experts on racism, white supremacy, where we still have the problem suffering from it daily. That's like saying someone is an expert at fixing automobiles and they always have car trouble their car is never running but they're an expert at fixing vehicles oh yeah gus uh one one oh, more hang, thing hang on one second uh, one other person did dial in okay uh, sorry. Heard from. We'll, we will swing back around though sir uh the caller yes sir on the headset uh person i guess you're on the vote line did you have commentary Please let us know if Gus was being uh, discourteous during the definition exchange. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, and I, I highly respect you, Gus, and I'm, I'm not trying to say this to offend you, but your, your tone kind of came off a little um, when, when you disagreed with her about the definition that Dr. Wilson gave and that she gave, your, your tone did seem a little, I, I don't know, I won't say off, but just maybe a little rude, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think she might have just gotten offended by that. Um, um, and she might have been very sensitive to that. And I think that's why she then asked you, well, what are you doing? And then she called you brother. And so I know sometimes, you know, when we talk amongst ourselves as black people, we sometimes we have to be very sensitive to others' feelings, um, given the racist system we live under. Um, so again, I'm not saying it to offend you, but I'm, I'm just letting you know how it came across to me. I'm offended about the FUD. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I was uh, or the tone. I think that was what you said. Maybe the tone that I used was rude or could have been uh, better with the definition. Uh, did you have more, or was that it? Oh no, 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 no sir. That that's all. Oh. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, other person that dialed in on the vote line. Did you have commentary? Tell me, yes. 
HV, greetings. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to the uh, listeners and callers. In my view, Gus, uh, you were victimized by the guest. And uh, from my observation, you were the perfect gentleman. You seem to be very, um, in my view, your tone to me came across as very sensitive to um, just minimizing conflict with non-white people and specifically with women. I noticed that you, your demeanor to me seems to differ some with white people versus non-white people versus women who are non-white and men who are non-white. It just seems to change in those situations. You just kind of, you're courteous to everyone, but you seem to be more sensitive when you're dealing with with non-white people and even more so with women. And I think that she, and I don't say this to disparage her at all, I'm just giving my observation. I think that she was very, she is very prideful. She seems to be a very prideful woman and lacking a lot in humility. And I think that you you hurt her ego just by disagreeing with her. And I think that you didn't know this, but I think that if the interview had continued, that it would have just been non-constructive. The more you disagreed with her, the more you challenged her, um, the more you made it apparent that you guys were had different views, she would have, I think, gotten more and more. I, I consider that she was she was actually pretty hostile and that she would have been that way to the callers that would have challenged her as well. Um, so I just, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess in one sense I'm, I'm glad that, you know, things didn't get worse, but I am just like the firefighter, very disappointed because I was really excited for this uh, program to just hear about, you know, this, this thing that she put together and just uh, the challenges that, that she would have gotten because it's it's important to be challenged on, you know, these types of things. And I just think that the show would have been so informative and I'm, I've been really long winded. So, you know, that's all I had and I'll mute my line. Hmm. Appreciate that HV. I do want to say one thing. Um, Cause this was reported repeatedly. She said that a white person called her, yelling tone uh but she said a white person called her yelling at her on the phone about this event and saying that she had uh black nephews and nieces and cousins and friends and homies and brothers and you know anyway uh she said that she calmed this woman down and <laughs> talked to her talked to her about the event I'm just making a an observation that I think sometimes the way that because of, let me back up, because of the system of white supremacy, sometimes the way we respond to white people is very different than the way we respond to black people. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll just put that because that's on the record. If you go and you read any of the articles that are talking about this, more than likely you will see one or three where she mentions or it's mentioned that a white person called her very upset uh, about this event and she was able to calm her down, tone, patience even maybe. 
Uh, do we have any other folks who had uh, commentary that they wanted to share? If my rudeness messed up your opportunity to get in a question, my bad. I will try to be better. I am a victim of white supremacy myself. Uh, the caller at 6946, did you have commentary? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Oh, this is our caller, oh. or one of our callers in Wisconsin. Yes, yes, sir. Um, so I didn't think that you were rude. I think that, um, I think that, you know, Mr. Neely Fuller talked about show-offisms, right? And so I think she started this whole litany of things that she had done and everything. And then uh, when there was um, some dispute, I don't want to use the word dispute, but, you know, there was some difference in understanding of uh, Dr. Francis Cresswell's definition of racism. And you mentioned that she had been on the program many times. Uh, I think she kind of took offense to that. And so I didn't really think you were being rude. I think that you sounded a little frustrated when she started interrupting you. And um, it seemed like she sort of uh, began the conflict and, and you tried to minimize the conflict as best as you could. So I, I don't think that you were in the wrong there. I did have a question for her. I actually thought it was interesting that she was teaching coding to a lot of uh, young uh, black um, kids, and I, I actually have an interest in doing that myself, and so I was going to ask her some questions about that. But, oh, well. All right. I'll mute my line. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I thought that was great. She's doing the coding work. Like, that's great. And, and doing so with elders as well. Like, that's spectacular. Like, they're doing the, the film festival. Like, awesome. Like, that's great. Uh, she's a victim of white supremacy. I'm a victim of white supremacy. We are all still learning, trying to do uh, as best we can. I will say uh, I was very frustrated with the interrupting. Uh, because that, in my view, that's just discourteous. If we're supposed to have a dialogue, I was not interrupting her uh, every, and I mean, she was doing a lot of interrupting. That was frustrating. And she was late. Now, we did have a barrier to communication. I would normally call the guests unless for whatever reason. Anyway, I was going to call her, but her line blocked my number from calling. So we had two options. We could do Skype. I uh, tried to call her on Skype. I thought that was what we agreed upon at the broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, or she was going to call us. Uh, we agreed we would do Skype. I had emailed her. We confirmed earlier in the day and all of this. Uh, I messaged her on Skype. I emailed all of this, and she didn't dial in until it was almost uh, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. That's 30 minutes after program time. Like Time and energy is valuable. I was beginning to think that she was not going to participate at all uh, to call in that late and to leave early like man time and energy is that everybody has other things that they're doing this was not the only thing that I had scheduled uh, for my day uh, you know if you just wanted to do five minutes to come in and yeah <laughs> time and energy is valuable that's one lesson Josh Wicked really emphasized and talking about another difference because of the system of white supremacy we value white people's time and energy a lot more than non-white people, especially black people's time and energy. Uh, Mr. Wicket emphasized that. Uh, make sure that you do not waste other black people's time. 
Uh, if you set an appointment with a black person, uh, be as prompt as you would be for white people on your job. Uh, in being, I think Malcolm X was renowned for that retired firefighter. I know he uh, has mentioned that repeatedly. He was known uh, for showing up. If he had an appointment to meet Ozzie D and Ruby Davis, if the appointment was at six, he was going to be knocking on the door at five fifty nine. That is black self-respect. Everybody's time and energy. Uh, Dr. John Henrik Clark, he said that is one lesson. None of us have infinite time. None of us. When you get to the end, you do not want to say, man, I wasted years on foolishness, <laughs> like absolute nonsense, like nobody has time to waste uh, and recognize that in yourself. That's why I say consistently, I hope the cows is worthy of your time and energy, but respect other black people's time. That is an act of black self-respect. Uh, retired firefighter, did you have another, another additional commentary? Yes, uh, I uh, think I heard somewhere in the short discourse that uh, of uh, Dr. Welsing writing more than one book. As far as I know, she only wrote one book, and uh, that's the ISIS Papers. And the ISIS Papers itself is compiled of her papers that was put into one document. Other than that, she has wrote uh, uh, papers, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think all of them are in that book. Uh, the Probably the most well-known one is the Crest Theory of Color Confrontation, which I believe that got, that got her in trouble uh, at, the univer at, the, at Howard University uh, because the, uh, the, the, the non-white officials uh, of course, having to answer to uh, the usual suspects uh, could not, uh, could not, uh, 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 I guess, quote unquote, defend uh, this document. And in turn, they had to uh, make uh, life a little bit unpleasant for her uh, as a employee on that campus. Uh, but she did not write uh, more than the ISIS papers as a book. Uh, the other the other things that she wrote were either articles or, or papers uh, that she had, uh, unless someone can tell me different. Uh, also, uh, and, and I just I just was thinking over the whole course of uh, this evening, and it's kind of it's kind of like uh, as far as what I read on what she was doing, and I put VGQ next to it as far as that concern, because I, I did have some questions to ask her. It's kind of like a, a, a butcher in, 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 attempting to relate to a vegetarian, you know, as far as that concern, because uh, I don't care how much you, I, and, and uh, this, it's, been, it's been going over on this program as well as other uh, research that I've done or uh, in conversation with other non-white people, and it doesn't matter how much you attempt to try to teach white people about racism and it even to me personally it even sounds ridiculous for me even saying it teaching white people about racism uh uh it's not going to solve the problem it's not going to solve the problem uh but uh, uh i say to her efforts vgq thank you mm. uh we had uh caller at 
uh, last four digits, seven, six, five, six, seven, six, five, six. Did you have commentary? Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. Um, I wanted to talk about this subject, the rules or whatever. So what I did was instead of saying, oh, yes, I believe, no, I believe, I looked up, I went online, typed in the word rule to see what it, to get some kind of definition to give you my answer. It said that one first one says offensively impolite or ill-mannered. Now, personally, I did not hear that. I didn't hear that. Now, she might have been offended, but I don't think, I mean, I guess listened to the show for a couple of years now. I do not believe it was your intent to offense, be offensive. So on that one, I'm saying no. <laughs> then they have a second definition that says roughly made or done, lacking subtlety or sophistication. Now, I know someone else brought it up. Yes, you, sometimes you do have a rough tone, but this is a rough situation. This is racism. It's a rough problem. There's roughness involved, including people dying. So I don't think, I don't know how subtle you need to be when people are dying. You need to be direct. So in that case, you might be rude, and I might be too, but there's a serious problem that needs to be solved, and we need to be as direct as possible if we are serious about solving the problem. So I just, okay, there are two, like I said, there are two definitions. They kind of have two different things. I think in content, no, I would definitely say no. Maybe in tone, but again, this is a rough situation. Uh, definitions are important. Love it. Love it. Definitions are important. Love it. Uh, I'm going to join. I'm going to vote. Uh, so there'll be three people who think Gus's tone uh, was uh, rude or could have been better. Uh, I'll go with them. So it'll be three votes. Uh, I said when we came back on the air, I have been in a very bad mood since the flood. That is true. Uh, I think if the flood had not happened, if I were back in my house, Maybe I would have been a little bit more patient. I certainly would have been in my bed. Maybe I would have been a little bit more patient and my tone would have been better. She did email and admit that she lost track of time. She was 30 minutes late for the program and I was annoyed about that. That is reason to be annoyed. Value the time and energy of black people. And she emailed that before we even had our exchange that she was 30 minutes late and she was interrupting me. So... Maybe I had reason to be disgruntled. You can put the flood at the top of everything as to why I've been disgruntled for months now and probably will be for months on end. But yes, that'll be three votes for Gus's tone. Probably could have been better. Well, I think it's because of racism. I don't think it's necessarily because of your Oh, yeah. <laughs> you sound pretty consistent. <laughs> you don't sound that different as for the few years I've been listening. You don't sound that different to me. And like I said, maybe it's because she hasn't listened to any shows before. She hasn't used to you or something. I don't know. I don't know. Definitions are important. Definitions are, are very important. Because you were nice to me. You said you loved the definitions. So. Oh, yeah. Definitions are important. Can't uh, <laughs> turn around. That would be super hypocritical. Can't uh, turn around and then dis get disgruntled about uh, a definition being presented to present logic certainly that is foundation of counter racism in my opinion can i say something else Gus? yes sir oh uh, what what was her definition again can you um uh, it was an equation i didn't i didn't write it down 
but it was an equation. It was uh, pride. If anyone remembers it, it like exactly, feel free. But I think it was like power plus uh, prejudice uh, equals racism. And she explained the prejudice aspect incorporating like uh, white ignorance, uh, if I remember correctly. But did anybody, am I, am I mangling it? Am I getting it incorrectly? Race plus prejudice <laughs> plus power, I think. Race plus prejudice. Yes, plus it was power. three things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I missed one. See, race plus no. prejudice plus power. I believe so. It's hard to explain um, something to experts. So, um, man, it's like trying to explain something to a white person. You know what I'm saying? So, I think she got offended, but I do think that the way she had her little equation. It it was pretty. It was a pretty decent, you know, definition. I didn't really. Um, it wasn't your definition, you know. I mean, my definition is only two words, you know. So, but I mean, it's it's like her mindset as an expert, you know, wouldn't allow her to accept that new information. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, um, when when you're you come with something different than what they've already known, um, they get a little defensive, especially when they handle that, you know, that that's especially someone who runs an organization based off this theory. Um, to me, um, when you use that analogy for cars, see, I don't consider mechanics to be experts. See, I consider like Henry Ford or Walter Chrysler, Carl Benz, or Elon Musk, you know, they're, they're, those are car experts to me. Like, and they're all white. The owners are the experts, you know. When I see a black dude on a car, I've seen a lot of black mechanics. When I see a black dude on a car company, and that, that dude's a car expert, even though we did have some in the past. And I'll mute my line. Thank you. No disagreement there. Folks have any other uh, comments they wanted to make sure they got in? I wanted to uh, tell the female caller that um, I really appreciate her um, her comments to me yesterday, the advice that she gave and the encouragement. I was very encouraged by what she said, that we're not, none of us are perfect um, counter-racist soldiers because the problem would be solved. Um, I wanted to ask you, Gus, whether or not this is like a good comparison because we, the the subject of, you know, who's an expert and who isn't, <clears throat> excuse me, has come up, you know, a lot tonight. And um, I was thinking that, like, to say uh, that, like, if you take LeBron James for an example, if you're going to say that he, to say that he, um, that's like to say that, that, that whites are ignorant about racism, that's like saying LeBron James is, is ignorant about basketball and he's been dominating for the longest time. And that's like his opponents saying that, you know, they're experts on it, but yet they keep getting dominated by him. And I wanted to know what you thought about that analogy or, 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 or metaphor or comparison. Uh, if I, if I understand it, it seems to be, you know, articulating uh, what I think is, is true that, you know, domination, I think is pretty self-evident uh, whites, 
much like LeBron James, uh, their domination has been self-evident for a number of years now. And, you know, the way that we talk should be reflective of that, uh, particularly when we're talking about racism, white supremacy, uh, the way that we speak, our language, our definitions should reflect that. And uh, yeah, I just I did want to make sure that I added I did not ask as like a parting shot since everybody's getting our metaphors in. Uh, it was not to to kind of uh, imply that, you know, there were her credentials were lacking because she hadn't read the ISIS papers. Uh, I asked because she said that she plays Dr. Welsing's audio. She didn't say that she read from the ISIS paper. She didn't say that she read Dr. Welsing's definition, which seemed to be something that Dr. Welsing emphasized a lot, uh, like reading her definition exactly, word for word, the way that she wrote it. Um, she said that she played the audio, which is fine. Hey, I do that. We do that all the time, right? No, no, nothing incorrect there. Uh, but it's been my experience that many, many people have heard Dr. Welsing uh, lectures or audio, but they have not read her book. And that's not to be a snob uh, to say, oh, you're extra cool on the plantation because you've read. Uh, it's because there are a lot of details that are in that book specifically and in books in general. There are a lot of details that you just, I mean, you can't talk everything that's in a book. Uh, when we do audio books on the cows like the Hate You Give right now, it generally takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. Uh, because of all the details that are in books, you cannot in two hours or three hours or four hours. It would take, you know, probably days in terms of an audio book to go through the ISIS papers completely. It's a lot of detail that you would not get if you're just kind of listening to snippets on YouTube. And sometimes the YouTube, it might be a seven minute clip, a 15 minute clip. So, I mean, you're not really getting all of the comprehensive detail that Dr. Welsing offers in her book, The ISIS Papers. But that's just been my experience. That's not, you know, anything personal with Miss Moses. That's just in general. A lot of victims that I've spoken with have admitted that, that they, they know of Dr. Welsing, they've heard her, listened to her on the couch, maybe even they've talked to her personally, have not made the time to read her book. Just saying. Gus, I think that your comments on that were very sound because I was very surprised that she was familiar with her and she talked like she was somewhat of a student of her, but yet her views seemed to be very contrary. And if not contrary, just very, very different from Dr. Welsing. This, this, this thing that she put together, it is, her views are just like, I don't think Dr. Welsing would ever do anything like that. I think Dr. Welsing understood that it's not about, you know, us getting closer to them. And uh, we think about, you know, a lot of things that have been said, you know, through the years that if, you know, them being around us and all that would have solved this problem, or if it had anything to do with that, it would have been solved. I mean, we've been around them since slavery, nursed their babies and everything else. So her saying, you know, all this stuff about whatever she heard from Dr. Welsing, that doesn't really mean that she understood her views or where she was coming from or anything like that. So I think that your perspective on that and the way that you approached that was very sound and I felt the exact same way and I'll mute my line. Well said, Miss HP. Thank you, Mr. Firefly. Yes, very well said. I um, 
I think I think a lot of her testiness had to do with the fact that she was using her um, expertise to sell this event. And so, you know, I think that due to our victimization, you know, we any sort of questioning that we get from other victims of racism, we automatically assume that it's an attack, you know, and, and that's unfortunate because um, I, I would have liked to have hear, heard things that she had to say. I mean, you know, I was surprised when she said, oh, you know, that she was a student of Dr. Francis Cresswell's things. And, um, you know, I just I just wanted to see how that how she translated that information that she had received from Dr. Wellesley into, you know, how how do you come up with this event? So. And I, I would just like to give a uh, reminder to uh, the graciousness of Dr. Frances Quest Welsing and the, and the amount of time that she spent on this program. I mean, I look at I look at the times when I even go over the over the archive, and I've probably been uh, a participant in every last program that she appeared on. One of them, and it was during the Super Bowl, where she spent four hours over four hours lecturing. And I mean, yes, the book is very important. I've I've read it to where. If someone looks at it, it looks like something that 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 I've got out of the garbage can. It's so it's so ruffled. Uh, but she spent a great deal of time talking about this subject, about the subject, and in references from her book itself about the global system of racism, white supremacy, that you can you can uh, almost uh, get a grade on as far as from. Uh, if she, if we were in a class, you know, as far as that concerned, she was very gracious with her time and energy on this program. And she gives, and she has gave Gus on every last appearance a positive approval about what he was doing and his, and his efforts. And I know he's not going to say that, but I'm saying it, and I'm telling the truth. You could, you could, you can hear the recording. Uh, every last at the end of the program, she gave her approval of what he was doing on that program because she's the type of person, if she, it was something she didn't approve of, she would let you know. That's for sure. As I mentioned before, she stated the first time Gus gave his definition and he asked her, is that accurate? She said no. <laughs> you know, so she would give you her, her, uh, her answer and an honest one at, as that. And that those are something that if someone didn't know about, you know, you you uh, you heard it from me. Thank you. Uh, person that dialed in one four four seven one four four seven. Did you have commentary? Yes, sir. Hey, Gus, how you doing? Right, poorly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the caller was, you know, she came into the show not wanting to hear anything contrary to what she had already previously thought. You know, her own way, her own opinions about what she had, she didn't want that to be challenged. And when you said something that was not to her liking, she immediately got defensive. And you handled it well, VGQ, you know, um, to each his own. And 
And the best thing is to minimize conflict. We don't want to conflict with each other. So you handle it well, Gus. I think I think you did an outstanding job. And I just wanted to add, I didn't get a chance to call in yesterday at the compensatory call in, but I'm the uh, father from Alabama that sent you the, uh, the video of the teacher saying nigger. I did go to the school, and I <laughs> I got a call back from the principal yesterday, uh, well Monday, and he told me that. Um, the video that my daughter had was a video from the previous year. He was not the principal there and that they had already handled the situation. And to which I said, well, she's still there, right? He said, yeah, she's still here. And I can't legally tell you what we've done, but we did. They did handle the situation last year. The teacher was trying to explain the difference between nigger and nigger. And she immediately came down to the office and told the principal what she had done that she how sorry she felt about what she had done so you were right Gus probably nothing was gonna happen and it kind of made me feel like I shouldn't have even said anything because now you know it may bring unwanted attention to my daughter so but um yeah nothing happened and I just wanted to update you about that but uh we'll be I told her I told my daughter just to always watch keep an eye out for that kind of stuff and just be you know take notes it's not much you can do about it. We, we're all victims. But thanks for the help. Thanks for all the com- com- comments and commentary. Thank you. Thank you for the update, sir. Black parenting. Man, that is, an, whew, that is a difficult job. Uh, continue the effort. Uh, I'm sorry that you had to, to deal with that. Thank you for giving us the update. I always appreciate that when people uh, write in. I think I talked about that last week on the compensatory call-in. Oh, that speakerphone. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I think I mentioned that on the compensatory call-in last week, uh, the situation with his uh, daughter and, and kind of how to deal with it moving forward. Mr. Fuller, that's one of the things that he does recommend that sometimes, and he was talking specifically about a school situation. I asked him, uh, it might, oh, it wasn't uh, someone saying nigger. It was uh, a white instructor. They they had said it was some other way of just making some racist commentary. Anyway, uh, Mr. Fuller said that sometimes the best thing to do is just to make a record uh, that this is what happened. Because as the caller just shared, uh, frequently whites, it's very easy for them to dissipate these type of events. Uh, just, oh, you know, we're going to take care of it internally. And, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, according to our regulations, we can't speak about publicly. Uh, but this individual, oh, we reprimanded them. You know, you, you can better believe, you know, we, we, we made it happen. And they're, you know, sitting over in the office with their feet on the desk for lunch. You know, that's very, very common. So Mr. Fuller did recommend sometimes just make a record of it. And he said also, if you do go, to turn it in. And even let's say they had, you know, moved his child, let's say they, you know, moved this teacher to another school district or, you know, whatever, uh, that that just means that they bring in most likely another racist uh, to come in. And the same thing might happen where he was talking about retaliation or uh, increased attention that might happen anyway, even if they do move the person to move your child or both. So uh, sometimes it might be best just to record uh, see what happens. Uh, and again, long term, what is the long term solution that you are looking at uh, with regards to your child? Because these sorts of things are going to continue in a system of white supremacy. Uh, we have other folks who had uh, commentary. Did we miss anybody? 
again, Gus, I yep. just wanted to add too. I found it interesting that when I went and I told the principal what I was, I went talking about. I asked him, "What if a teacher? What if a student said nigger?" And he went down the line of saying, "Well, we usually classify the word as a cuss word, basically." Because, you know, a lot of kids have become desensitized to the word. They don't actually know the meaning. And what I got from that was basically a lot of the black kids say the word. So we can't punish the white kids, you know, and then the black kids the same, any different than, you know what I mean? And I just found that interesting. And then I said, well, what if a teacher done it? He said, oh, that's totally different. But then again, nothing happened. But I just wanted to throw that in. Thank you. That teacher down. Oh, sorry. Was that retired firefighter? Did you have commentary? No, I did um, have something to add, but um, you go ahead, Gus. Just really quickly, that teacher down in Florida, uh, not the one that got all the attention with the podcast, but it was a white male. I played it on the compensatory call in yesterday. He had been telling his students not to date niggers. Uh, and he had said some other racist things, but I think he got like a 10-day suspension. He didn't get fired. White people don't get fired. They get transferred. He didn't get transferred. He didn't get fired. He got like a 10 day suspension right back on the or right back into the classroom. Thomas in New York. Thank you kindly. You get transferred or they get promoted. One or the other. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, man, you know, she she tried to, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the Monique interview, but she tried to Lenard you, you know, like um, she tried to to to. I don't know. She tried to say, oh, look, I got Amazon Prime. Maybe you should look into that. Like, you know, who doesn't know what Amazon just tried to play you out, um, I thought. Um, and um, I think a lot of your stress, Gus, is you try and do yoga with these white people. And um, they're stressing you out trying to talk about racism while you're doing um, all those moves. Um, so I don't know. Um, now, to me, well, I'm an expert in basketball. I go back to the mechanic thing. LeBron, to me, is not an expert. I would use, like, Donald Sterling. He was, like, an expert at basketball. I mean, he made billions, couldn't play at all. He was calling people niggas. I mean, he was just living the life. Um, and um, the last thing I wanted to add, I, I agree with the firefighter, Dr. Welsing, um, she was very fond of you, and I think that she respected you as both an equal and as a student, you know, like like the, the, the she was like the sensei, and you were like the student who's on the level of the sensei now. So she respected you in that level, and I I always got that from you because um you're one of the only people I ever seen interview Dr. Welding, and she not disagree with everything he said, you know. So I I think she definitely respected you, and I mute my arm. Appreciate that, Thomas. Definitely, Dr. Welsing was super gracious uh, with her time here. I tried to make sure to thank her for that frequently, uh, for hanging out so many times and uh, never turned down an interview, like, unless she had already something on the calendar, like, give me the time, give me the date, give me a call, I will be there, like, uh, 31 times, 31 times. One of the few things I would say, maybe worth bragging about maybe but other than that replace white supremacy with justice other folks have commentary yeah i wanted to say something about uh dr welsing as well i agree with uh thomas and uh, the firefighter that you know 
she she to me was just incredible and just was so knowledgeable as is uh Mr. Fuller and uh I found out about her actually pretty late um and so I, like a, maybe a couple of years before she uh passed away and so when when people like that when they pass away at least for me um and I think for some other people as well it can be very very discouraging because you kind of feel like man all this wisdom so like what are we going to do now and so it's it's such a blessing like for people like you, uh, Renegade, for you to to come up, you know, after them and to interview them and to just have your show and and one thing that you know I've also been encouraged by. I don't know if you if you know this, but you also like people talk about. You said in the in the past that people would um, they would try to actually criticize you for so called parroting Mr. Fuller and Dr. Welsing and things like even Timothy Kool Aid Wise. Um, had the nerve to do that. And the crazy thing about that is that anybody who so-called parrots an older person is a genius because they know that older people, they have life experience. And so they have, you know, a lot of knowledge. Those are the best people to sit up under and to learn from. And I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of people who uh, so-called parrot you. They sound exactly like you. They they make the same type of arguments as you. They... um. They make blogs um, after yours. They Some people have even started podcasts. It, it would be like if you wrote a book after uh, uh, Mr. Fuller. And, it's just, and they do counter-racist reviews and all these different things that you have talked about. And it's just very, very encouraging to see, you know, the younger generation coming up and, and being counter-racist just for, you know, our future people and even our current people. So it's, it's, it's extremely um, encouraging for you to have, you know, done this show after them because, I mean, Mr. Fuller's not getting any younger and just even the people that you have influenced to uh, follow after you. And so I, I did actually want to ask you that. Did you know that, you know, you have a lot of fans out here that are modeling themselves after you and learning from you? Uh, n- not particularly. No, not particularly. Yeah, you're probably too busy on your counter-racist grind, but that's something that I have observed, and I'll mute my line. Notorious B.I.G., no guarantee they will love you next week. Very important uh, for counter-racist purposes, I have found. Uh, With the yoga thing, I did want to get in uh, because something did happen uh, today at yoga class. I tweeted uh, about it, and we are doing the yoga program. We were going to do it earlier, but... Uh, the guests that we were going to have on, uh, they had illness, so they're doing self-care, but it is coming down the road in a few weeks. Um, I went, even let me back up before I get into that. I was in yoga yesterday where nothing too racist happened. I don't think, uh, we were in class and the instructor asked us to go around the room and just give your name how long you've been practicing and like a yoga pose that either you wanted to do or is your favorite. So we're going around the room and I say two months, which is true, uh, even though I did do yoga before, but I stopped and it had been years. Like I've been practicing basically for two months. So everybody else in the room, I'm the only black person present. I think there may be like three other non-white people. I'm the only black person and then everybody else is white in a room of maybe 20 folks. 
other than myself, everybody in the room has been practicing for years. And this is just a regular yoga. This is not like, you know, super advanced, whatever, regular Saturday afternoon class. Everybody in the class has been practicing for years. Like some of these people have been practicing yoga longer than I have been alive. Like there were people who have been practicing since they were children. And I was just like, wow, that is amazing. And I'm thinking about that just like, okay. And then today I'm in class and they have live music for the Sunday uh, noon class. Live music. Anyway, so doing a class and it's not uh, 10 Crack Commandments live music. Notorious B.I.G. It's not, you know, more money, more problems. Uh, you know, any any of the rowdy music that is typically associated with black. It's not that like very calming, soothing music like Dr. Welsing would talk about that all the time. Tones and how sound has an impact and the noise that she had to be around constantly. And she would talk about get to a quiet space where you can think, read, where your brain computer can operate at maximum efficiency. She even recommended uh, Baroque music on one of her uh, broadcasts. But anyway, uh, so they plant live music and they have like essential oils. And, I mean, it's just really calming, soothing environment. And then you get to do your uh, practice and all that. And I just thought like, wow, they have yoga studios literally on every corner in Seattle, especially the central part, like where black people reside. We have on every corner, what is it? Church, pawn shop, uh, check cashing place. Uh, fried chicken, weed dispensary, depending on where you happen to be. Just like that is deliberate racism, white supremacy. In my view, that's not like prejudice. That's not ignorance. Like that is deliberate terrorism with regards to making sure the dark people do not have access to anything that's going to be life affirming, constructive, uh, anything that is a constructive resource that'll be good for you. We'll just stockpile that over here where the whites are. The, uh, the racist incident that happened in class today, even though we did have the live music, same thing happened. I just told you at the class yesterday, the instructor went around and asked, uh, do you have a favorite uh, yoga position or pose or what have you that you really enjoy? Instructor today, she asks, anybody have anything that you'd like to do specifically? I say core. Let's do some core. I am uh, intent on having anyway, <laughs> I say, let's do some core work. And uh, she says, uh, suspected racist female instructor, she says, uh, okay, everyone make sure to send Gus some energy uh, during class when we do core. And there's a, a slight giggle in the class. We make core the first thing that we do. So I'll even explain the activity that we're doing. So you're on your back. You have uh, a block. If you can imagine having uh, a block that doesn't weigh anything, that's made of like styrofoam, very, very light, but it's a block about the size of a brick. So you have a brick between your hands. You're holding it. You have your arms stretched uh, above your head. You're lying on your back on the floor. Your arms are above your head stretched. They're touching the floor. You have this uh, brick between your hands that are stretched above your head. And then uh, your feet are on the ground stretched out as well. So you're stretched out vertically uh, on the, or stretched out horizontally 
on the ground, hands and legs, you have this uh, brick between your hands. The ab work is you lift your feet up, so now you're at a 90 degree angle with your uh, feet raised, the soles of your feet to the ceiling. You lower your feet, you hover them off the ground, and you raise your uh, shoulders up. You keep your arms straight, you just raise your shoulders up. That's what you do, you just keep doing reps of those. Raise yourself, keep your arms straight with the brick. You go down, you lift your feet, you just keep doing that. So you do one round. We do one round. We drop down, everybody takes a deep breath. It's like, okay, take a deep breath. We're going to do our next round. Suspected racist on the other side of the room yells out, what is the guy's name that we're supposed to thank for this? And she says, Gus, she's like, thanks, Gus. This has never happened in a yoga class that I have been in, like, Ever. I have been in yoga classes where they asked, what do you want to do? And somebody says, core, no problem. <laughs> do it. And one of the tenets of yoga, they tell you anything you don't want to do, don't do. Like they say that every class, like this is not the gym. It's not, you're not trying to impress anybody. This is not a contest. If you don't like it, if you don't want to do it, if it hurts, if, you know, we're doing a lot of reps, you don't have to do that many. You can stop. You can take a break. You can take a rest, get water, whatever you want to do. This is not a contest. Don't do it. I've never heard anybody yell out at someone. And what was said was send Gus some love when we do core. That was what the instructor said, not who are we supposed to thank for doing this uh, in the middle of class. Now, this incident only stood out more to me as an act of racism, white supremacy, because this is the second time I've had a white person perform what I think is an act of aggression around me requesting core work. The first time that this happened, what well, I can give you an exact date because I have my yoga journal. Uh, it was on Tuesday, February 27th. This race soldier wasn't even in my class. My class ended. I took the 4 p.m. class on Tuesday, February 27th. I also took the next class uh, after that one that immediately followed. He was coming in for that class. I was staying, but I was talking to the instructor that was leaving, non-white female. I'm going to talk to her. And I said, oh, man, we didn't even do core. And she says, uh, she says whatever she says. We're having our discussion. Fruitful. Great. I love her. She's great. Non-white female. One of my favorites. Soon as we finish talking, race soldier runs over to her and he says, you know, I hate it when people come to yoga and they're like, oh, we got to do core. Like if you want to do a whole bunch of crunches, you could just go get a gym membership. This is yoga. You don't need to do all that core stuff. And she like indulges him, which I totally understand. If you're going to be a non-white yoga instructor, you're going to have to supplicate like a lot of race soldiers. Got it. Uh, so she does all that talking or whatever, but just me hearing that exchange, I said, from now on, I'm going to ask for core at every single class. And then 10 days later to have this happen, I'm going to continue to ask for core every single class and see if the pattern continues. White male aggression about black males requesting ab work in your, and, and <laughs> The context, yoga is all about core work. There are people who say that everything about yoga is about core work. They do crazy sit-ups. And I mean, if you go, I don't know if you have seen yoga instructors, like the people that do yoga, it's like daily. 
they generally have extraordinary abs because you do incredible sit-ups and all kinds of stress. I mean, why would someone gripe about ab work in a yoga class? If anything, that's going to make you better at what you do. I was the yoga program, Racism, White Supremacy is coming, but I continue to wear my shirt every single class. Please respect me like I am a white person. Uh, the instructor saw that and got a great chuckle uh, about my shirt as I was requesting ab work uh, today. Uh, did any folks have any other comments they wanted to get in? Yes, sir. Tacky, trashy, terroristic. Uh, I uh, intend tacky. It, it doesn't get any better than tacky. Uh, Neely Fuller Jr. Uh, I uh, had an an experience today uh, that uh, would have challenged my attitude perhaps on the program uh, because it was so short uh, time ago from the uh, start of the program itself uh, at uh, what I call the fancy uh, grocery store. It's actually called Fresh Market. I don't know to uh, any listeners that there is such place in the areas where you uh, reside. Uh, but the name of the place is Fresh Market. Almost every time I go uh, to such a place, uh, I uh, have some sort of uh, 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 racist uh, confrontation in it. And in this particular case, uh, decided that I, uh, you know, had a sweet tooth and wanted to get uh, for myself and my offspring, uh, 22-year-old offspring, uh, uh, cupcakes. Uh, and, uh, so as I was, uh, acquiring the cupcakes from the, uh, the employee on the other side of the, uh, of the counter, uh, white female coming up behind me saying, you're going to get all of that. You're going to get all of that. Now my counter racist response was silence. Uh, apparently the person that she was with a white male and both of these, uh, suspects were, uh, they look to be in and around, uh, fifties, uh, sixties, maybe slightly older. Uh, uh, yes. She kept asking it over and over again, uh, to try to, you know, as Mr. Fuller says, uh, the, the, the tackiness comes from, uh, just idleness to try to engage in conversation, uh, other than talking about racism and white supremacy, as far as them being honest. Uh, and, uh, but I refuse to say anything to her, just keep on minding my business. And, uh, but the white male, as she finished, uh, packaging my, uh, cupcakes and was, uh, I went to, uh, and, and putting the price tag on them, I went to get them and he decided to pick one of the, one of the, uh, products up. I said, don't put your hands on my products that I'm paying for and, uh, grab my, uh, items and got out of the place, <laughs> uh, as far as they're concerned. So, and, and it's, it's, it's something, it's not like I'm surprised of it. It's just, a just a, uh, a, uh, a constant adventure. And that was my response to it. Thank you. Mr. Firefighter, what did he do when you said that, or what did he look like or what happened? Oh, after, after I said, don't put your hands on my product. Uh, uh, I, it, it was, it was, un, it was unaudible. 
on what he said, but uh, I did say, uh, and, and, and you don't have to apologize, uh, you know, basically because, you know, I expect the behavior anyway. Uh, and I just kept, kept it moving. I just kept it moving. Did he seem scared? I'm sorry. Did he seem scared when you when you came at him like that, or surprised? Uh, I would say probably if if you really saw me, uh, he probably was. He probably had some some uh, uh, fear, you know, as far as that concern, uh, because I had my uh, my face on. You know, and uh, and basically said what I you know meant what I said. But the only thing I would have done uh, had he insisted upon uh, uh, putting his hands on my products, I would ask her for a different one. That's all, because <laughs> it was plenty. It was plenty of them in there. You know, as far as that concerned, I'm not going to be fighting over uh, fighting over uh, 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 some a flower. <laughs> you know, as far as that concerned. But uh, basically. Uh, I was uh, messaging to these two uh, white suspects that uh, I'm not I'm not in for idle conversation. I'm not in for idle conversation. I'm pretty sure that they're aware that they are just like I am uh, 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 are in a, a global system of racist white supremacy. And if you want to talk about that, then we can have a conversation. Otherwise, I am not going to engage with you in the grocery store. And uh, so. Did I answer your question? <laughs> you did. I love the way you handle white people. Just all the stories <laughs> you be telling. And that would be my life. Thank uh, you, ma'am. Retired firefighter, can I, can I, as you said, it's, it's always an adventure going to this establishment. Um, it, why are you not able to? Well, different, different, different grocery stores. I, I can go ahead. You have, if you had a question, I'm sorry for interrupting. I thought it was like this place consistently. You were having issues. Different, different, uh, I would say different grocery stores. Uh, there was one thing I can't stand is going to a, in most cases in some sort of service uh, situation. And I suspect that white people who are, when they see a, a non-white black person, that's a customer. And the only thing quote unquote, they're doing there at the cash register they feel kind of like out of place and angry from that standpoint. You know, I, that, that's in my mind, you know, for some reason, but nevertheless, uh, going to, going to purchase my items. And I can't stand the idea of, and this happens primarily out of white females that are, are calling you honey, sweetie, baby. And, uh, they have they have uh, 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 some kind of service questions they ask you uh, as you go into uh, uh, the cash register line. Uh, uh, are you happy with the service? And, and questions such as such as that. And you know it comes right from the company itself that they ask the employees to ask the customers. And uh, <laughs> she asked me something similar to that, and 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 I, my answer was. Uh, yes, I, uh, uh, don't call me baby anymore. <laughs> that was my, that was my answer to a question. Don't call me baby anymore. Uh, and, uh, from there you, you can, you can see, you can see the, uh, the, uh, uh, her, uh, just all of the, I'm going to have to say a metaphor, all of the air just come out of her. 
you know, right from, you know, to my, talking about, and then they'll make an excuse to my, I, I say that to everybody, you know, things like that, you know, and, and I just say, well, that's, that's, that's very condescending to me. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to be addressed in that way. Uh, you can use some other word. It, 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 well, actually what I do, I ask a question. When you're in training, when you're in training, do, do, is that what they suggest that you identify the customer as? And I already know the answer. Like Mr. Fuller says, a good, a good lawyer already knows the answer to the question they're asking. The answer is to say, sir or ma'am. And I would guarantee you, I'll be, I, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, the answer would be, sir or ma'am. Not honey, baby, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, even, even, even some non-white people who are in, in, in those places of service, uh, when they address it to me, I, I mention it, I mention something similar to even to them as far as that concern, because to me, it's very, it's very condescending to, to, uh, address a customer in a way. And it, it has nothing to do with their training at all. And you probably won't go wrong if you address a person at, without knowing their name itself as sir or ma'am, you probably, you more than likely would not be incorrect. You know, if somebody, you know, can tell me anything different, I'm open. But, uh, yeah, that was my uh, uh, experience for the day. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Gus, may I share a similar story? Let's hear it. <laughs> Gus? Oh, I said let's hear it. Did you hear me? Oh, okay, yes, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, uh, some, oh, wow, I don't know if it was some, maybe yeah, just a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago, um, I was more confused. I was in an Aldi grocery store. I don't know if uh, the, the caller's on the line, if you guys have that in your area. It spelled kind of funny, A-L-D-I. But um, I was on the phone um, while I was in the checkout line. I was on the, on the phone. I had my earpiece in. I think in like one ear, and I was taking the the the, the items out of my 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 cart, um, one, one hand at a time, just like one one item at a time with like one hand, and it was like uh, maybe one person ahead of me, and uh, the thing about Aldi is that you bag the stuff yourself, so it's a really quick process. The 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 person who uh, the checkout lady or man or whoever they just the items up there and they, they scan them and that's just it's just that it's very quick so why this person behind me was real impatient it's so funny what I thought she was doing she was not doing and so what she did is because I was not going fast enough for, for her she was going inside my cart or inside the cart it ain't mine and taking the items out and putting them on the counter and I looked at her and I said thank you because I actually thought she was trying to be helpful. And I realized later that she was uh, being impatient. Just like some minutes later, I realized that. And I became very, very angry. And that's why I was asking you about managing anger, because when I thought about later what she did, I wanted to just do all types of things. I wanted to like, you know, tell her that, you know, if she, if she do that again, like if, like if I had known what she was doing at the time, that you would never get out of here if you keep putting your hand in here or maybe even do something violent or something like that. It's just, I, I'm, I'm real emotional. So I, I'm real sensitive. And so I get angry or sad kind of easily when I feel like I'm being slighted. But, um, and th the interesting thing about this, this race soldier is that she didn't seem to be one of the well-off 
people. She seemed like she came out of a trailer park or something. She just looked real poor, just the way she just looked real raggedy. And for some reason, that's actually kind of relevant to me because it just it shows that that doesn't matter, that no matter what the situation, they still got more power than you. But that still bothers me to this very, very day. Like, a lot of times I tend to, you know, hold on to things. But that was just – that's something that, that just really drives me to this very day. So I had a, a real uh, similar experience that the firefighter had with just, you know, a race soldier. And uh, I'll mute my line. Oh, and I wanted to know, if anything, what other people would have done. I can imagine what the firefighter would have done in that situation. I'll mute my line. Hmm. Any volunteers on what folks would have done uh, in a similar situation? What helps me out is to understand, expect that type of behavior when you are going to uh, public places such as uh, grocery stores, the bowling alley, uh, any any uh, uh, venture where white people are providing service, expect it. And that would help. That would help you from not making a, causing a, a bigger problem for yourself. Uh, last but not least, there was one incident that took place where this uh, white female who decided that she was in so much of a hurry and what I do when I go to the, 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 the cashiers, I give the person ahead of me privacy when they, when they are, you know, with their secret number, with their debit card or whatever. I give them privacy. I'm not going to be right up on their neck, you know, as though, as, as though you know, I'm not in that much of a hurry, you know, and I, and I think I know what an emergency is as far as that concern. And uh, so but in turn, in this case, she was like that with me. And I, I did get almost mad to the point. It, the thought did come in my mind to grab her card because she was almost like shoving it in, into my groin because I wasn't even finished back getting my, my groceries to grab her card and just throw it, <laughs> throw it within the uh, grocery store. Uh, you know, but, but uh, something told do not do that, uh, retired firefighter. You would not be on Gus program <laughs> that evening for sure. <laughs> You know, by doing that, uh, it would have probably been a, some sort of arrestable offense, you know, as far as that concern. But expect it. Expect to be delayed. Expect to be even insulted in some kind of way. And I think from there, if you have that expectation, that you'll be better prepared for it. It won't, it won't take you by surprise. Thank you. Absolutely. That, that is a big one. Um, in terms of going to the grocery store, it seems I've heard a lot of different instances from listeners uh, through the years of things happening at the grocery store. So certainly when you go to the grocery store, but I think just in general, uh, just realizing and not allowing yourself to forget that uh, there is war being waged against black. That's what racism means. <laughs> like the equation is war constantly and just being mindful of that when you are when you're out and about where the items uh hv were the items uh that were being molested were they already purchased or not refresh me please no they were uh just in the cart and the interesting thing is the person who was in front of me they weren't even finished checking out so there was no reason for this lady to get in and to get impatient like that and when i said thank you to her 
the one thing that, that made me realize that she was being impatient, that made me realize it later, is because she looked at me and she said, you're welcome. But she looked at me with a very angry look on her face, and then she continued to put my items up there. And then later on when I saw her in the grocery store, because we were still hanging around in there for whatever reason, she just was looking at me, and I was looking at her, and I was just, you know, extremely angry. And I, I don't know if she could tell that, but it's just some, something about also just the way that she was just looking at me, I guess, kind of, matter of factly um at that point like how oh, it just bothers me but yeah they they weren't purchased yet they were just in my cart and i was putting them on the counter one by one i see it's uh it's difficult with those type of situations i know mr F- i'm a i'm a, a parrot mr fuller uh, it's difficult in those situations because you don't want to get involved in some sort of melee at the market, like with a white, really with anybody, but certainly uh, not with a white person. They have security guards and a lot of times armed security guards uh, at a lot of these uh, venues now. Uh, you just don't want to get into some sort of uh, fracas because that could go bad in a lot of different ways. Um Jamal, uh, John Crawford III, even it could go bad in a lot of different ways. Uh, if it was, it would depend on a lot of different things, like what the circumstances are for that day. What are my time constraints? Am I on the way to work? Am I on the way to yoga class? Am I, you know, twiddling my thumbs where I have, you know, I was just going to go uh, home and read. So I got, you know, time to sit here and, you know, invest in this. Uh, dispute. I mean, how many items is it? If I'm standing in line and I've got five items, uh, and this is <clears throat> uh, taking place, I might just exit and go get five new items and go to a whole nother checkout line. Sometimes that might be the thing to do uh, in some situations, particularly if it seems like this situation could escalate beyond your control. And if you are a black person, you have very little control to begin with. That might be the thing to do sometimes if you have a lot of groceries or, you know, if you want to get you just have to kind of pick the situation. It's going to vary. I mean, like I think I mentioned a few weeks before I was in a situation. Racism happened. No big shock. But this time it happened. I was holding a one year old. I don't have children. So my counter racist code. I'm totally unprepared for Whoa, racism happens and you're holding a one year old. Now what? I behaved in a totally different manner just based on. These are the circumstances of how the incident of racism unfolded at this time, at this moment. So a lot of it would depend, I'm sure, on how many groceries do you have? How much time do you have? Um, You know, how how bad do I think this thing could go? Uh, Is this white person with two or three other whites? Am I by myself? You know, that might be a, a lot of different variables in terms of how you how you deal with it. This cannot become a melee. That would be huge in the forefront of my mind. This cannot become even some sort of uh, loud argument uh, because if it's a black person and you're yelling at a white, and this was a white woman in the case HV mentioned, you're yelling at a white woman in a public place, uh, not saying every time, but I could easily see where that might not work out in your favor easily. Not encouraging Agreed. folks to be cowardly. <laughs> I know that people had that thoughts come to mind. Say, hey, the people that are encouraging uh, this form of counter racism, or at least the counter racism that is being espoused on the context of white supremacy, is saying, you know, do not confront or do not challenge. Not saying that, just saying that you have to be very tactical. Uh, I see a lot of people uh, challenge. It's no shortage of that. We can all go on YouTube right now and see 
uh, blow-ups happening at Walmart and all other sorts of establishments uh, around the planet. And a lot of times you end up where it does not work out well for the black person. That happens frequently. And I'm not surprised about that. I think, again, just coming back to expect not being surprised about these type of things, being alert being aware of what's happening around you. And then just based on the circumstances, you just try to make the best decision that you can. If you're going to confront, be aware about that too. Try to recognize if they got armed security, at least on the premises, if it's, if you're going to, uh, you know, feel the need to raise your voice or grab the person's uh, card and sling it across the room might be a good idea to at least remember, do they have armed security here? Like you said, Gus, we've already been clocked. This is not the time to try to, you know, prove our man or womanhood and we ain't going to get punked being victims of white supremacy. We've already been punked. It is what it is. Well said. Folks have any other commentary they wanted to get in? We did have people who emailed commentary and I feel... I feel some type of way. I don't have a better descriptor. I don't want to read it because it sounds critical, even though they didn't say anything incorrect. It just sounds kind of critical in my view of the guest. If And the funny thing, I thought if they had written something and it was critical of me, of how I behaved, I would have read it. But uh, yeah, I don't really feel like reading it. But they did write in about what happened with Ms. Moses as well. Uh, did anybody else have commentary? Folks satisfied? Grant, we will be here on Wednesday, March 14th. Uh, admitted white supremacist, Dr. Martin Kevorkian. Black Mirror Addendum, that will be brief. Suburbicon, downsizing. Uh, reading is more important than watching television. If you want to take the next three days to read the ISIS papers, that would be way better than watching any of those two movies uh, or the latest installments of Black Mirror, like no contest. If you have already read the ISIS papers and reread it uh, and your copy is falling apart, then if you have a few moments, if you want to check out any of those works, uh, Suburbicon. Uh, was mentioned. I know some of our listeners are familiar. A listener told Gus about this film after the flood and said, while you are uh, moping about your housing situation, you can watch Suburbicon. Matt Damon uh, from the Jason Bourne movies, uh, Bourne Supremacy and all that stuff, and many other films. He is the main character in Suburbicon. It is a film set in like the 1950s ostensibly it is about a black family moving into an all-white suburb and an entire town of racists terrorizing this one black family because they moved into this neighborhood but that is not the main plot of the movie the main plot of the movie is matt damon and his gangster family trying to commit fraud against the insurance company working with these other uh, race soldier gangsters and that is the main plot of the movie the backside just happens to be or I won't say the backside but the uh, I think the the secondary story the secondary plot if you will is 
these Negras have moved next door and the whole town of racists is furious and terrorizing them and trying to figure out how to get them out of this house. That is the peril. And this is a Coen brother film. That's a, one of the things that also made this film stand out. I was watching it and I had not done any research. I'm just watching it. And the whole time I kept saying, this is like Fargo. This reminds me of like the Coen brothers, which we just talked about with Dr. Martin Kevorkian a few months back, Big Lebowski. Uh, I kept saying, this is like a Coen brother film. And I get to the end and it is a Coen brother film. And yeah, anyway, it is uh, very interesting for a lot of reasons. I think it reveals a lot about what it means to be white. And I was even reminded, I told Dr. Kevorkian when he was here last time uh, that we were talking about a Coen Brother film, The Big Lebowski. I mentioned Fargo and I said in Fargo, they have all these black lawn jockeys in a movie that has nothing to do. I don't even think there are any black people. Uh, in the movie Fargo, but they have all these lawn jockeys throughout the film. What is that about? Uh, and they didn't have this film where the lawn jockeys have come to life and have actually moved in next door to a white family. Looking forward uh, to chatting it up uh, about those uh, two films. And then, as I said, Black Mirror, the TV series, the uh, brief addendum. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that'll be Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific always enjoy talking to white people uh, asking questions i think that is one thing dr welsing would recommend questioning white people thinking of times where we can ask questions ask good questions uh, we get opportunity anywho thanks everyone for tuning in i hope the program was a constructive investment of your sunday evening uh, again sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy Certainly, Dr. Welsing encouraged sobriety. She would want us to take excellent care of our brain computers so that we can come up with solutions, new concepts to permanently solve the problem. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. Certainly, if you're going to be in a vehicle, you want to be sober and buckled up. Uh, let's do as much as we can to minimize contact with race soldiers that's it creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person, it has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>